Chillax, a Singapore podcast where you listen to this our boy read interesting news and give his thoughts about it. You might hear that there's something different about today's podcast. My voice is definitely clearer because I have a new mic. Instead of using the small shitty mic that is attached to my shirt, I'm using something more professional like a live streaming kind of setup. A very big mic that you put near to your face and the voice is super deep that kind. Yeah, hopefully my voice is deep now and hopefully it sounds sexier so more people would be interested in listening to this podcast. Anyway, today's episode is about Singapore's devotion to bubble tea. I mean, bubble tea has been around for quite a long time, you know. I mean, since 2000s, I think. I mean, there was a rise in popularity back then. All these blended, ice-blended bubble tea drinks. Then it kind of dis- disappeared for, for a while until Koi came back. Then several Taiwanese chain stores, you know, just started becoming more and more popular and bubble tea just stuck around. Unlike some other food trends like salted egg, I remember like a few years back, salted egg was very popular. Then it just disappeared. I mean, salted egg is definitely still around. Still see Irvin's being sold at Ion. People are still buying it. Tourists are still buying it. However, it's no longer in the top of mind of everybody. I think now it's Mala, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, today's episode is a deep dive into the bubble tea culture in Singapore. And this is just purely based on an article that I found that was very interesting that talked about bubble tea in Singapore. So this is how the article reads. Restrictions on dining in hit drink stalls in hawker centers and food courts hard but bubble tea joints continue to enjoy roaring success, says food writer Z. Esther. To some, bubble tea is more than just milk-based tea drinks with black tapioca pearls resting at the bottom. It is a personality, a lifestyle even for many Singaporeans, as evidenced by the unending queues of customers and food delivery riders at bubble tea shops I observed at Heartland shopping malls. Even in a time when many F&B businesses were forced to shutter due to dwindling sales, construction hoardings, anticipating the opening of yet another bubble tea joint have become a familiar sight. This is quite interesting. Like, I mean, this is this essentially kind of encapsulates the whole situations of the coronavirus, right? How it has impacted the FMB businesses. Every day, you just keep on hearing like all the small hawkers are like just not getting any business at all. And for some reason, bubble tea stores always have a queue. They they never suffer anything. They never suffer. From this COVID pack at all, and it's and it's very interesting. I suppose there's so many bubble tea stores, you know, and you would expect some of them to fail, right? But they are still around. They are still opening more and more bubble tea joints, and wow, you can't satisfy Singaporeans' appetite for bubble tea. It's crazy, and you just wonder: is this really a bubble? It's like one of those stock investment situations. Like, is Tesla a bubble? Is cryptocurrency a bubble or whatever it is? Is this how you consider this a bubble? Anyway, I, I'm not quite sure. I think bubble tea is going to be here for quite some time. Anyway, let, let's, con- let's continue here. The devotion to bubble tea is so fanatical that in 2020, at the cusp of the circuit breaker, 
an argument broke out between a food rider and store employees about a holdup in orders. Bubble tea fans were so desperate for one last fix that the store in question received 150 orders for 600 cups within its last hour before closing. This is an insane number. I remember seeing this news, like the food rider was fighting with the store employee, but I didn't know about the how many orders were, were made. And that is quite crazy. And I didn't realize like now now come to think of it, they actually shut down Bubble Tea store because there were so many people queuing for it. It was like a congregation points. It's insane. Yeah. And it's 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 amazing how Singaporeans just continue to drink bubble tea even in the face of coronavirus. The devotion of Singaporeans towards bubble tea is Yeah. I I, I don't understand though, like why is the appeal of bubble tea? I don't drink it at all. I think so. Yeah. I don't think I don't drink it at all. I drink a lot of coffee. And bubble tea is just way too expensive. Like if you compare like let's say Starbucks, about a drink is about five fifty six dollars slightly more expensive than bubble tea. But you can see that bubble tea, right, last time used to be like $2 or $3. But with the new chain stores coming in, bubble tea has reached like what? $4.50, $5. Almost similar to Starbucks. Starbucks is about 5 to 10% more. And the question here is, why would I want to drink bubble tea when I get Starbucks, right? Obvious, right? I mean, that's the obvious choice I go with Starbucks. I mean, the bubble tea, what's so nice about it? Every time I look at bubble tea, right? I see those, uh, what, fruit tea or whatever. I see it. Isn't this just like you go and buy the polka ice lemon tea or ice peach tea? They just add the ice, like, like they just add the peach or lemon flavoring inside it. And they call it bubble tea. They just add some bubbles. I don't think anybody put bubbles in fruit teas at all. And they are selling it at $5. They put, they put some pieces of fruit inside it. I can just go buy the polka iced tea, which costs like, a dollar? I mean, it's four times lesser than, than the bubble tea, you know. I, I think, you know, this is something that I just don't understand. And it's interesting to see, like, why people like it so much. Like, like people usually would go crazy over things like uh, chicken rice, fish soup, those popular food stores. People will queue for it. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to see people willing to queue for bubble tea. And the bubble tea is not some Michelin star bubble tea. just koi. Uh, your Lee Ho nothing unique nothing at all and it's amazing how people are just queuing for this bubble tea and I remember like a few oh okay I wanted to say a few months back but it's not a few months back I can't believe it the COVID-19 has really ruined the whole my whole time awareness you know it's actually a year back I remember like the, the there was this Taiwanese bubble tea store called what Chi Cha Banqian came out and the queue was crazy. That was like before COVID happened, I think. And the queue was was it before COVID happened? I don't remember, but it, the queue was definitely crazy. So my friends and I went to the one at Somerset and we took one hour between the time we ordered the drink. No no between the time we queued and we ordered and we get our drink, it took about an hour. And it was very long just for this this new bubble tea store you know just to experience what it's like and if you didn't know this store is a taiwanese bubble tea chain where their 
main selling point from what I see is that they have this custom tea brewing machine that brews their tea like espresso shots. And that is interesting. And to be honest, I feel that their milk tea. I got milk I got milk tea. I didn't get any some I, I didn't get any special tea or special milk tea. I just got the regular milk tea. Because I feel that to me as a bubble tea drinker, not like an uh, occasional bubble tea drinker, like milk tea is probably the best way to benchmark all the all the stores in all the bubble tea stores. And but I think that might not be the best benchmark because I don't think anybody drinks milk tea anymore from a bubble tea store. They drink all those very weird Earl Grey, whatever nonsense, though cream cheese on tea, that kind. But to me, as a as a as a person who drinks like bubble tea once in a while and someone who enjoys like Taiwanese milk tea, I feel that milk tea is a very good benchmark for bubble tea store. Because I've been to Taiwan like a few years back and the milk tea is definitely one of the best milk tea I ever drank. Anywhere, anywhere in Taiwan. It be it a karaoke, be it a specialty bubble tea store. All of their bubble tea, right, tastes exactly the same. And it tastes great. And it's amazing how Singapore bubble tea store has never been able to replicate that that level of quality. Maybe they try to fit it to Singaporean taste. But frankly speaking, it's shit. It's way too diluted. The milk is not creamy enough. The tea is too weak. And hence, I've been looking for this elusive milk tea you know from taiwan ever since like hopefully store sells that and i think this store is the closest to it i mean since since it is a taiwanese bubble tea chain and i kind of expected that it was the closest it tastes very authentic if you haven't been to taiwan you will you can tell that you know singapore's milk tea is definitely dog shit man like the milk tea is in taiwan is definitely better the milk tea served you know, it's, the tea is way stronger, the milk is creamier, and this store's milk tea is definitely very similar to that. And you have to drink it at like 100% sugar. If you drink it any lesser, you can't taste the true flavor of the milk and tea. I think the sugar really brings out the, the flavor of these two ingredients. Hence, I tried, I tried the milk tea at 100% and it was very similar. I would say it was about 70 to 80 percent similar and then you have your rest of your singapore bubble tea chain where their milk tea tastes like 10 percent it's definitely it's even more worse than your singapore taping you know at least singapore's taping they use the condensed milk they are evaporated milk which makes it very creamy but it's not very healthy however they really steep the tea so long that it's it's way better than your typical bubble tea milk tea chain i know this is like a hot thing but this is how it is. Like, I'm just glad I found I found out that this this store actually the this Chichara actually sold something that is similar to Taiwan stores. And it's I I mean once in a while I would go and try it out when there was no queue. And I think around this time, I think previously about six months ago, I went to try it because they opened in Woodlands and there wasn't much queue around. I, I think it was during the afternoon that's why nobody was queuing for it and I kind of think that the the crowd has kind of died down it it really depends when you what time you go 
you shouldn't go during lunch time or after lunch you should go during those weird off hours anyway let's continue i think it is interesting to really look into like why is this bubble tea trend so popular so based on this article right what she said is it's like a bubble tea is like an easy compromise between the seriousness of coffee drinks so at boutique joints which is referring to starbucks i suppose and the more familiar options of heritage drinks so at hawker center which is your vaping and your kopi ping so it's like a comp- compromise between the atas coffee and the cheap drink the former requires specific knowledge to discern between a flat white and a latte which is true but i don't think this is okay it might be intimidating like if you go to starbucks you never order before their sizes has weird name their drinks are all coffee and if you are not a a person who has been drinking coffee the kind of atas coffee you will not understand how each drink differ the only reason why i know how how this drink tastes and what what this drink how these drinks are different is because i worked at starbucks before and if i never worked there i would never have known about it i would still be an idiot and that's how it is i mean there's some sort of barrier to entry interestingly <laughs> and the letter which is referring to the heritage drink so at hawker center your kopi ping and your taping is a largely unfamiliar options for younger consumers who were raised on a diet of bubble tea as part of an approachable and accessible after-school treat. Well, this is kind of a hot take. This person is saying that all these young people never drank, hardly drank your kopi ping and taping. But I mean, I beg to differ. Like, I mean, you will go kopi tiama, right? You have your lunch and everything and have dinner. And you can always... And they don't have bubble tea there, and you will definitely order your kopi ping and taping. Or maybe I'm just not young enough to understand. Maybe actually young consumers are drinking a lot of bubble tea. And it's true though, like, I mean, you can kind of observe it. Like, there are a lot of people keeping for it, and oftentimes you see a lot of young people. And I wouldn't say I'm super old. And I, I, I guess we just need to see, wait, and see how it goes. Maybe one day nobody drinks your kopi ping taping and it's cheap no i think people will still drink it all my friends drink it yeah and then there's the bubble tea's unending rich and diverse customization options so the writer says that this is something that is attractive and and it serves consumers psychological desire for identity so this one is a bit like fluffy already like they say that it's a in the choice is quite good it's in between it's like you know it's it's a good drink for the high SES people, those that have money to spend and they don't want, and it's low barrier to entry because you understand what these drinks are. And at the same time, there's a lot of customization options that fit your identity, your desire to kind of like show off your identity. Like I'm a Earl Grey tea latte drink. Yes, that's what he's, he or she is trying to mean. Yeah. And then this is, this is true, I would say, to some extent. But you definitely need some evidence to prove it. However, like I, I can I can see that there's community built around bubble tea. Like it's like it's like smoking, you know. People would say, hey, you wanna go smoke? And there are situations where like I see like my female friends, those who like bubble tea, they'll say, hey, after what after lunch, let's go buy bubble tea together. And that's very common. And that's 
if you if the article didn't talk about this right i didn't realize it at all and there's some sort of like identity involved like hey i'm the old gray drinker and you are the other bubble tea drinker that drinks some other weird drinks and we can all hang out together and buy bubble tea and that's quite funny and that's quite interesting it's like hey let's go toilet to, to, together <laughs> which is like that kind of thing that kind of action yeah anyway i think this is quite interesting to kind of look into and you do i'm not quite sure though i'm wondering do you guys agree to this is this because like is it because of the customization that is like appealing to you or is it something like the the fact that it's easy to understand the menu and at the same time it's also more expensive than your regular tea and it's nice and you are you want to treat yourself to that hence you are what why it's so popular and why you drink it every time yeah uh okay moving on in the article you also covered history of bubble tea yeah this is this is something that is interesting also i remember it it came early in 2000s it landed in singapore shores in 2000 and and i can remember very vividly how it started with ice blended drinks like it's ice blended and bubble tea like okay the ice blended and the the pulse and i didn't understood back then and i and i tried it and i just felt felt that the pulse are such such a weird sensation in the drink that i just spit it out over time i kind of got used to it and it's actually quite nice the pulse and 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 it, the article says that it is worth noting that at its peak so i i would guess that it came in 2000s or 1999 or something in the in the 90s they say that at its peak in 2002 singapore was home to close to 5,000 bubble tea shops which inevitably led to ruthless price wars and competition before the bubble officially burst in 2004 okay that was quite short-lived actually and that is quite true i remember back then there was like the market was saturated with shops like each cup sweet talk sells very affordable blended drinks like drenched in flavored syrup this is like the like back then talk about bubble tea you kind of refer to flavored ice blended drinks and only recently then you start seeing like the milk tea kind the milk tea variants that is like the the what um taiwanese style those taiwanese chain stores i would assume that back then it was more of like a it was still a taiwanese creation but maybe some entrepreneurial singaporean went to taiwan and said hey this is something that we can adapt to singapore hence they started selling ice blended drinks i think ice blended drinks was quite cool back then there was some sort of appeal to it and it was getting more and more popular and and this is something that is quite interesting like it it, it definitely picked, i remember there was a time when if you go to the pasta malam you if you didn't remember it's like every single pasta malam had 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 a bubble tea store it's like they had this uh small asian doll where it's like a device that they can plug the like the metal shaker where they can put drinks it's like the mix it's, it's like how it's like the shaker is those that you use to mix your cocktails drink but the shaker is a machine that with a doll that is carrying the shaker 
So essentially what they do is they put all the drinks that you, they put all the flavors that you want. They are like mixing like cocktails like that. They mix all the flavors then they plug that metal shaker into the, into that, that, that machine, the doll, and the doll will just shake the machine like, like shaking a cocktail, like mixing the drink like a cocktail. And it was always interesting. You always hear that sound whenever you walk past, when, whenever you walk near it. And, and it, it was quite an interesting sight. I never got to buy it from Pasamalam though. It was always very expensive, beyond my range. I, I, I guess I was just a kid back then, living on your, your $2 income every day. And this kind of bubble tea was way too expensive. But I think as, as, as time goes by, as the ruthless price wars was happening, the price of bubble tea definitely went down. Enough for me to buy it. And I can remember drinking it. I guess it was fine back then. I remember the Oreo Ice Blender was a very popular one. Quite sure you, everybody can agree with that. Anything with Oreo is always nice. Chocolate Oreo or something. Yeah. And I definitely did enjoy it for a moment. But I always hate, hated the fact that these Ice Blender drinks are not like... Because this is like very low budget Ice Blender drinks, alright? So the ice is not very, very fine. It's the very like crunchy kind. And you can drink the ice blender, right? You can suck the the flavor out of it. So the ice is like empty. And 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 it's like the drinking experience is definitely fitting of the two dollar price tag, I suppose. It's not like your uh Starbucks ice blended drinks where they use very like high powered blender where they can blend the ice into very fine. And when you drink the drink, right, the flavor and the ice sticks together and it goes up like a slurpee like that. Even better than a slurp. Anyway, I'm going too in depth into this kind of <laughs> analysis of ice blended things. Moving on, it was only in early 2010 that the milk tea variant of bubble tea re-emerged into the Singapore market with franchises promising quality ingredients and products backed by well-known international brands from countries such as Taiwan and China. Speaking of food trend, I think we all know, you know. Like milk tea, the variant is amazing how it stayed for like 10 years. Like things like salted egg has come and passed. I forgot what, what is the other kind of brand. I don't remember. Hmm. Okay, all I can remember is salted egg and bubble tea for now. Yeah. So bubble tea stayed for about 10 years. Now it's 2021 already. And early 2020, 2010 was the milk tea emergence. And it's amazing. It stayed for 10 years. It disappeared for a while. It came back and it's growing strong as ever. Like what I mentioned at the start of the article, the writer wrote. People are still queuing for bubble tea. More and more bubble tea stores are expanding in Singapore. New chains, new drinks, I suppose. People are innovating. And I think it is definitely a, a viable business. Of course, it's a com- competitive business. But if you look at Starbucks, how Starbucks is around, it's just this constant innovation and there's always a market for like expensive drinks for Asians. Hence, it will never die out, I think, at this point. It's way too big, really. It reaches the critical mass and it will never die out, I think. Hence, 
Hopefully, I think we'll be see. Maybe in the future, we will see. We will see. It will be interesting to see. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of food trend, I think we all know like the latest one is mala for sure. And this is something that is that I'm I'm curious to see how long it will last. Because it has been around for a few years, right? Like four to five years ago or even lesser than that. It was, I remember in uni, at the start of uni, that was when the mala thing was growing. And you know, once in a while you see the few mala store, then slowly, slowly, every single kopitiam will have a mala store. And even the the, the kopitiam at my place, right? The zizha store also converted a small section into like a mala xiangguo kind of thing where they have the freezer and they can pick your food and the zizha guy will make mala as well. Not quite sure how authentic it is. I tried it, it was, it was bad. Yeah, definitely. Shouldn't go to a zizha store to buy mala, for sure. Should go to the very authentic ones. You can see that the China guy is there. I think most of the zizha store are run by Malaysians. Hence, it's a weird... Doesn't taste similar at all to the one that, that you eat at those dedicated mala store. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting. Before that, it was mala xiang guo, right? Then it becomes... You start to see more and more variants of like China coming into Singapore. You have your what chuan chuan, then you have your those soup version of mala. Then you also have grilled skewers. I think grilled skewers is very similar to chuan chuan. And then there's also grilled fishes as well. I think that was for a moment before the lockdown, like a year ago, where we are traveling out. I remember I was traveling to school like almost every day, and. Uh, MRT was running like there was this grilled fish store in Somerset was running ads every single day on MRT like they must have a lot of money to spend every day just keep on seeing that and they play early in the morning I think play the entire day but I travel I travel early in the morning to school and all you see is the grilled fishes and it's like ah oh, damn like tempting it's very tempting and I heard the grilled fishes are actually very nice however it's in Somerset and I heard it's very expensive as well. But the good thing is, because this one is so popular, right? It was so well received that I'm seeing more and more stores selling such an item, you know? Like, the one I went to was recently was at the Thai, uh, Tuapayo with my friends. And it was way cheaper, like, I think five times cheaper. It's like about like $20 lesser for a fish. With, like, it was a fried fish on some sauce on the big metal grill it was nice it's definitely very nice you can definitely find affordable dishes like if you look hard enough for it you just google i'm quite sure you can find and speaking of mala something interesting i found this news like it was plastered all over facebook they said that high tilao singapore is selling bento sets of braised pork curry chicken and more from 680 to 880. Hot pot, pot, pot. Okay, I wanted to say hot spot. <laughs> there was. Okay, there was a. What? Freudian sleep, I suppose. Hot pot chain Heidi Lao is switching up its menu with bento sets, ranging from 680 to 880. Each set comes with a protein, 
Okay, it's quite interesting how Mothership writes this article with a protein slash seafood. Side dishes, rice, and the drink options. There are six options available. Uh, this reads braised pork, curry prawn, curry chicken, pickled vegetable fish, Sichuan shredded pork, and beef stew with ketchup. And it says while well, the sets have just been released, a couple of customers who have apparently tried it for themselves came away with positive That's good to know. But there's something very odd about this offering. There's six options. And there's like what three local versions, curry chicken, curry prawn, and braised pork. The other three is a bit more China, Chinese, pickled vegetable fish, Sichuan shredded pork, and beef stew with ketchup. But for some reason, China people like to add ketchup to stuff like tomato base but the weirdest thing about this offering is that it doesn't have any mala dishes at all I would say that Hai Di Lao is very commonly associated with mala right any Hai Di Lao as long as a mall has Hai Di Lao right whenever you walk past it right you can smell hai, you can smell the mala and and it's true when you think about mala you think about Hai Di Lao right and, and, and it's surprising that they didn't offer a Mala dish at all, and not even a soup dish. I mean, mala is very commonly associated. Like Hai Di Lao is the hot pot, right? I would assume they want to. They will have offered like a bento slash like a a yong yong tau fu mala xiang guo kind of style, but it's only bento, rice and meat. Hence, I think this is kind of a missed opportunity. I don't know why. Maybe they try to tailor it too much to local local uh taste like local preference they, and they also kind of mix it up with three china kind of food but they definitely should have put mala inside it people would have bought it people would have went crazy over it i think you create a high lao mala xiang guo version anyway speaking about overseas food there are three things kind of miss you know like I've been thinking about this, like re- researching all these articles about different countries, Taiwan, China, Malaysia, and 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 it reminded me of Malaysia for sure. Like remember, like what over a year ago, we can still travel to Malaysia. I'm not quite sure when it will reopen. Like when we can travel Malaysia again. Yeah, I definitely miss traveling, and I think the greatest part about living in Singapore is that you can just travel on foot or literally travel on foot or you can just travel by bus i mean who will go who will be crazy enough to travel on foot yeah you will travel by public bus you can go to malaysia and it's very affordable and it's very convenient and it has been more than a year already i think the most like like the the one that i miss most about malaysia the thing about about it is the affordable food yeah, the affordable food was super nice everything was cheap there Literally everything was three times cheaper. And it was I think I went quite like before the COVID nineteen hit, I think at that point over that year period, right? Was like the ring guild was at its worst, I suppose. And we can buy a lot more things there. And it was insane. Their their stuff were all damn cheap. Like you can buy all your amenities there. I know people go there pump petrol. Actually, their toiletries, amenities are all very cheap. Like your hair wax, uh, your hairspray, toothpaste, all also very cheap. 
And I miss the food as well. I remember the Yawang, the Bakute, the curry fish head. Wow. And it's kind of sad though. It's like a constant reminder every day. Because I actually bought like, every time I go there, right, I will buy toothpaste. Because like, I use Sensodyne. Then Sensodyne is like the one that is for sensitive. And it's like quite expensive in Singapore. It's like $10 for a tube. Then in Malaysia, it's three times lesser. $3 plus only. And, and, and when I last went there, right, went to Malaysia, I bought like four tubes. I went with my friends. Like first time I went with my uni friends. Then, then they still laugh like, hey, why you, why you buy so many toothpaste? And I said, I need it, right? right. I, I, I don't know when I'm coming back. And I thought I didn't buy it. I thought I, bu- I bought too much. First they were like just laughing and just questioning me why I buy so much. And why I go there to buy toothpaste. And I questioned for a moment. But I didn't know. That was the last time I, w- I went. I would be in Malaysia. And I'm on my last trip ready. I don't want to be forking out like what? $10 to buy the toothpaste in Singapore. When I can save like $6, you know? $7. Like I'm a poor man. I'm just, I just started working in. $7 a lot. You know, $7 I can, I can get great food. I can eat a good meal. A bit sian, okay. Another thing that I really miss about Malaysia is super cheap karaoke as well. Like looking at how all the karaoke in Singapore closed down, Malaysia has definitely one of the cheapest karaoke I've seen. Like the there was one that I went where one of my Malaysian friends like drove us around and drove us to this place where it was it was it was a shop house and it was a karaoke at the shop house and they were their deal was even if you think Kyohing is cheap right this is like it definitely is like a thousand percent better than Kyohing because firstly it's even cheaper they charge like seven dollars Singapore dollars for an entire afternoon of singing which is about six hours and that literally beats Kyohing really and another thing that really kills it is the free flow drinks and the free flow drinks, right, is any kind of drink, you know. I mean, people usually get honey lemon, right? Free flow honey, hot or cold you want. And drinks, free. Everything free. It's, it's, it's like literally the best experience I ever had. I think like the, the only part that is not free is the food, lah, but having free drinks and spending there six hours on seven Singapore dollars. That's like, we sing until we couldn't sing anymore. It's like we sing until three hours pass, right? We really cannot, cannot really. But it's, it was definitely value for money and hopefully I can go back there soon. I wonder when the borders are going to open up again. Because like Malaysia is definitely not in a good spot as well. And if you look at the kind of situation like India, I think this, this virus is going to be here for quite some time. It's not like SARS. And it's just going to continue spreading, continue. It will last for like five to ten years, and and traveling is going to take a hit for sure. I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Even with vaccine, you still get it. Hence, the question is: Is it even safe to go overseas? Like, if you go overseas, okay, you have your vaccine, you go overseas, and in the kind of countries where there's no control around, like US or India, that kind. 
you will eventually get it if you can if you if you are able to get it with the vaccine right you will confirm gonna get it and and with with all this rampant spreading you're gonna get sick on your while traveling and that's quite sad if you get sick while you're traveling and I'm not, I'm not quite sure how contagious it is as compared to your common flu but I mean they said that the the virus can be active on surfaces for a day I think and it goes to show really if it can be active on a day it can spread quite easily you're right when you look at those cases like the moment one person get it in Singapore then all of a sudden suddenly so many cluster forming hence really not sure man I feel like this is probably the worst time to have this kind of situation like I mean I just started work and usually when you start work you are still young you don't have much responsibility you have some money to spare and you can go overseas because that is when you are still young and energetic and you can go anywhere you want that's where you want to explore the the world right but unfortunately this is what happened quite sad i think this generation the people my age encountered so many nonsense like you have your 2008 financial crisis you have your sars it always hits the pivotal important moments and it ruins everything yeah but let's avoid talking about negative stuff here let's talk about positive stuff instead Okay, that's the end of the the talk. I can't believe I went for 37 minutes. I think usually it was 20 minutes, but we talked quite a lot. Hence, I mean, it was interesting talk. I hope you guys enjoy it. Previously, I've been trying to do cut. I think at 37 minutes, like previously, I didn't do any edits. It was unedited. Then, I tried to edit it. It takes so much time. I'm not quite sure whether editing helps or not though. Maybe I like editing kind of takes away the empty moments like where I don't talk at all. And it also takes out the breathing noises and those weird stammers, stutters and all these things. But I feel that this is quite a maybe I'm just lazy. Or maybe I'm just I just feel that having a conversational style, not being super professional and just leaving the pauses might be much better might be much more i suppose engaging connects on a personal level like you're talking to somebody else i mean it's not like when you talk to somebody everything is cut out all right it's, it, it doesn't work that way people stutter people pause people think but you just don't see me la. the difference is you don't see my face so i'm just gonna leave it like this I'm not going to cut it out. We will see how. Hopefully, I get better to the point where I can keep talking and not, not pause at all and not start and, and use too much filler words like I think, yeah, uh, uh, like the kind of ums and ahs. And I say a lot of anyways. I catch myself saying that. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I say yeah again. Okay. So, to end it off, you all are interested in like if you have any questions if you have any topics that you want me to feature in the next episode and just anything that you want to talk about you can actually email the podcast at uh Singapore podcast at gmail.com and I would 
reply you because right now I don't think anybody has sent any email at all. So I will definitely get a reply and I will definitely feature the topic or question next episode if you ever send an email. Unless if it's some weird questions that I won't feature lah. It's like what the heck. <laughs> anyway, uh have a great weekend and see you next week. Bye.